The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. And so if, if you could open any Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, chapter 14, verse 6 to verse 15. In verse 6 it says, The children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day forty-four score and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kiriath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Not only that, but raise again from the dead. And thank you for saving us for allowing us to be born again, giving us a privilege to be called your children, Lord. And I pray that you would just put your hands upon us, you would open our hearts, and we would understand more and more your will for our lives, Lord. And bless me as I preach. just want to exalt Christ above all. And I pray that if there's anybody here that um, has not been born again, that today would be the day of salvation for that person. Thank you very much, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Joshua, and I love this story for many reasons. And uh, one of the reasons is how it applies to our lives as Christians in the New Testament. Sadly, as Christians, as the people of God, 
Well, I don't have to tell you. We all know we are in a crisis. It seems like there's more and more professions of faith in, in Christ, people professing to be born again. But the more, it seems like the more people profess to be born again, the less faith there is. And sadly, that's really going to be the case as we head into um, just the future and, and what God has in store for this world and uh, the tribulation and then the second coming of, of well, the rapture first and, and the tribulation and, and the Lord's coming to establish his kingdom. And we understand that. We, we understand that. The sad part is, is that if we're not careful as a, as members of a church, we just become enamored with the world. And yeah, we, we profess Christ, but at the same time, we, we just, um, we're out of God's will and we're causing more damage than than good to to Christ to Christ's name and in fact I was in El Salvador speaking to pastor friends of mine that are seasoned veterans and that have been mentors to me and I would uh, ask them well in your opinion what would you think is the greatest enemy to Christianity here in in El Salvador and Many times, without hesitation, they would say, well, we are our own worst enemies because we profess Christ, but we're not living it. We're, we just don't have faith. And uh, we're doing more harm than good And in many cases. And when I think about the pandemic and all of the things that, that, we're, that we're, um, we're living, yeah, wake, wake up call to unbelievers, right, yes, you know, we understand that, but it's, I feel like it's been more of a wake-up call to us as professing New Testament believers that we get right with God, that we believe His promises, and that um, we, we just fulfill His will for our lives. We look at Israel, and Israel as they're, they're in Egypt in, bonding, in bondage. Of course, we, we remember how we were in bondage under the power of darkness before we received Christ as our Savior. And how, in the case of Israel, in the Old Testament, how, how God sent um, Moses as a, as a picture of, of what Christ would eventually do for us. He sent him t- to Egypt to liberate them from bondage, to, re- to redeem them. And so they came out of, of Egypt, and uh, of course that's a picture of salvation as, you know, the last one of the plagues and how uh, God sends them to uh, sacrifice the Passover lamb and how they took the blood and would apply it on the door so that that um, the, the plague wouldn't destroy those that, that, um, that actually believed. And so all of that is a picture of salvation in, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And thankfully, He didn't just take them out of Egypt just to leave them out of Egypt and just forget about them. He had a plan for them. The same with us, right? He, He took us out of darkness and now He puts us in, and He puts us in a church and He has a will for our lives. He has a plan for our lives. He wants us to, um, to, to know Him better he wants us to glorify him uh, in our lives he he has a purpose 
for our lives. And in the case of Israel, he wanted them to cross that desert to go into Canaan. And of course, Canaan is not a picture of heaven. When they were in Canaan, there was wars, there was strife, there was difficulties. Of course, in heaven, there's, there's going to be none of that. But Canaan is a picture of the abundant life, or the picture of when a, a believer actually is is in God's will and, 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 and is, is doing God's will for their life and just thankful for the Lord Jesus who says in John 10 and uh, the, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill but I came so that they would have life and life in abundance or or abundantly and um, but sadly many many Christians many professing believers are not living an abundant life yeah they came out of Egypt they were born again and maybe they were trekking along the desert for a little while, but they never got to Canaan. And so that's a big problem nowadays uh, as Christians, that there are many believers that are in the desert and that have no desire to get into Canaan and to fulfill God's will for their lives. Thankfully, yes, we know, we're born again, we have an eternal inheritance Right, First Peter one four. It's incorruptible. It's it's um uh you know it, it, it's it's definite. We're going to be there. We're uh, no matter what happens. If we've been born again, we're going to be there with with Christ, with God the Father, and and we're going to enjoy it forever. But God also has a an earthly inheritance for us. In other words, His will for our lives. The abundant life that many Christians miss out on because of unbelief. Yes, once again, they believed to get out of Egypt. They were born again. But then when God told them that he wanted to take them to Canaan and that he would guide them and that he would be with them to the point that they would destroy those tribes that were there in Canaan, that they would they would possess their lands. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. And so that's what makes a difference between a defeated Christian life, a Christian who, who yes, he's born again. We're talking about Lot, Samson, Ananias and Sapphira, many of the Corinthian believers. Christians... They're in heaven right now as we speak, but in many cases they lost everything but their souls. And so that's a huge problem with us nowadays. Why are we not effective in reaching others uh, with, with the gospel? It's because we're not believing his promises for his will for our lives. And so th- this is what we can, we can get out of this passage along with many other things, because obviously the Bible is infinite, but one of these things is that we must believe God's promises. We must believe God's promises. Because God not also gives us that general promise of salvation, but as we're walking with Him in our Christian life, He He keeps, as and, and as we're getting to know Him, He keeps promising. He keeps making promises. And when it comes to our earthly inheritance, those promises are, are conditional. And the condition is, are we going to believe or are we not going to believe to be able to step into these promises and fulfill God's will for our lives?
And so we see three things as we believe God's promises. And, and one of these things is we see a separation, a separation. It might not be obvious at first which believer believes God's promises for his life and which one doesn't. But in the end, it, it becomes obvious. And, and we look at, at uh, Caleb here in verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. In other words, he's, he's bringing up to light, he's remembering what God had promised to him and to Joshua had never forgotten that, even though 45 years had passed since that day that God had promised him. He says, 40 years old was I when when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to Esbi out the land, and I brought him word again, and it was in mine heart. And then he says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. When they were in Kadesh Barnea, they sent out the spies, 12 of them, Two of them were Caleb and Joshua. They came back. We know the story. Ten of them gave an evil report. And two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, let's do it. God is with us. He's already promised. Let's do it. We're going into Canaan, and and we're going to conquer. And and God will be glorified uh, through all of that. And so he's remembering all of this. He's remembering how these that gave an evil report, it says, went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. It was very sad, but um, the rest of the Israelites believed the evil report. And we know the story uh, it was almost instantaneously that those ten spies that gave the evil report died. But the rest of the people that didn't believe, many of them didn't die right away, right? They didn't. It was staggered. It was a process for about 39 years. Several dozens of thousands died one year, and then the next 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 year, to the point that for a long time, you couldn't really see a difference between those people that didn't believe and Caleb and Joshua. They had to go through the same struggles of walking through the desert. Yes, God was with them. He guided them. He um, he, he protected them. They were victorious in battle and in many cases. And But really, I, I think about some of these that, that died towards the end. Some of those unbelievers unbelieving believers that died towards the end and um, how um, that you couldn't really see much of a difference between them and Caleb and Joshua. But then how in the end it, it was obvious that there was a difference and that difference was faith and he didn't give up. He knew that God had made him that promise. He knew that as he was walking towards Canaan, he was happy. He knew that, that it was as good as done. He had to wait a long time. 45 years is a long time. But he knew that it was as good as done. And he knew that for those that didn't believe, it was imminent death. Because at any moment, they could die. And, and surely enough, they all, they all died. All of, all of that generation that did not believe 
they believed the evil report, they died in the desert and God's will once again was not fulfilled in their lives as was the original intention. Once again, no, none of us wants to be like Lot, like Ananias and Sapphira, like many of the Corinthians, like Samson, and there's so many other uh, examples of uh, believers that fell short of God's will for their lives and they didn't live victoriously. And so um, you have to decide. You have to decide if you're going to believe God's promises or not because he makes those promises. Many times we don't uh, acknowledge that he does because our hearts are hardened and we're in love with the world. And those seven years that I was away from God's will, I would have said, God is not speaking to me. You know, but he was. He was speaking to me. As I remember many circumstances and instances when, during those seven years, I know for sure now how God was, was speaking to me. Many times we don't perceive God's promises because our hearts are, are hard. They're hardened. And so I remember being a member of this church and how God was placing it in my heart to become a, a preacher and a missionary and how, um, uh, you know, as a young man, you, you want to get married, you know, start a family. And and uh, that was a great desire of mine. And that just wasn't God's will for my life here, to, to find that here. And um, while I was living here in, in, in Sonoma County, and but there was temptation, just like there's all kinds of temptation. I remember just being tempted and how was uh, back in my my house there at where we lived in 616 Santa Alicia Drive I was sitting on the top of the steps and I was meditating on God's I was reading God's word and how I remember clear as day what 21 years later how God promised through his word I was reading Proverbs 5:18-19 he said delight delight in the wife of thy youth and how God was promising me in your youth you'll still I will give you a wife. And so I had to decide. Was I going to go with the temptation? Or was I going to, or was I going to believe God's promise? Even though I, I had no idea how he was going to put it all together. But by God's grace, he, um, he gave me faith and he preserved, and, um, um, that's where the separation started. From, um, me and um, those those uh, professing believers that that aren't believing God's promise. I can tell you many stories. When I was in Bible college, uh, there was uh, one of the my fellow students would, who I would have thought, man, this guy is so talented. He, he's got such charisma. He's going to be greatly used of God. And then discovering two years later that he fell into sin and. Right now, as we speak, I, I think he's in jail and thinking, wow, I mean, it's not about talent. It's not about charisma. It's not about resources when it comes to, to doing God's will. It's about, are we going to believe his word or not? Are we going to believe his promises or not? In that case, I'm, not, I'm no better than he was. But clearly, he did not believe 
God's promises. And even though we both went to Bible college uh, together, it wasn't obvious who believed God's promises and who didn't at that point. Probably many would have said, this guy believes in this, and me, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Because this guy, you could see that, wow, he was on fire for God. There's a separation that happens once you believe. It's not as great as the separation that happens when you when you're born again, obviously, right? You know, because you know if you're born again and you're out of God's will, you're still in light, and Christ's Spirit lives in you, even though you grieve uh, Christ's Spirit. But there is a great separation between those believers that are out of God's will and those that aren't. And we need to pray for those that aren't. We need to because I was one that wasn't. And there was those that were that prayed for me and were patient with me and loving to me. And God used them. So there's a separation. And also we see in in second place, we see a preservation. A preservation. He was 40. Caleb was 40 years old when God gave him that promise that he would go into Canaan and that he would conquer. But a lot of time had passed. And we see in verse 9, it says, And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. Delight with the wife of thy youth, right? Surely. And thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, so, so he, he's remembering that Moses had promised and basically, God used Moses to promise. Right? The promises came not from Moses, but directly from God Himself. And so He's standing firm on God's promises. He knows what God wants for His life. And He's delighting in it. And He knows that He's going to step into it. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As He said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, while everybody else wandered and died, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old, and yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, and in my strength, as, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. And we, we remember that it could be the abundant life, yes, but we're always in spiritual war. We're always battling against Ephesians 6.12, right? The armor of God and against principalities, the power of darkness, Satan himself who wants to... Uh, he can't take our souls, but he can take God's will f- uh, from our lives and make shipwreck our lives. He's done it to so many. But when we trust in his in, in, in Christ, we trust in his promises, there is a separation, but there's also a preservation. Doesn't matter how uh difficult the circumstances may be, what we have to go through to ultimately possess those promises. I'm thinking about David and how God had promised when he was sixteen years old, about sixteen years old, that he would be the king of Israel. He didn't know all that he had to live through before he got there. How God would bring him to the edge of a cliff many times. 
before he got there. But he never stopped believing God's promise. And God did the work and he um, ultimately became the king of, of Israel and every other king ultimately was compared, uh, every other human king was uh, compared to David there in, in the Old Testament. Think about Abraham and how he had to wait for 25 years. He's already an old man, 75 years old. And God promised and he had to go through so much and ultimately he brought forth the promise. But how God preserved those those men. And I think about our, our best and ultimate example, our Lord Jesus Christ and all those promises about his first coming and his ministry and his death, burial and resurrection and how, how all those things came to pass even though his enemies... You know, the Jews and, and the religious Jews, in many cases, wanted to stone him. I'm thinking about how he w- went to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, and he was preaching and telling them that the Messiah had come, and they didn't believe, and they wanted, they took him up, they could, they took him up to a cliff and wanted to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. But God preserved our Lord in so many miraculous ways. God the Father preserved God the Son so that ultimately he died how he was supposed to die, how God had promised in the Old Testament, how he was supposed to die, to shed his blood, to save us, and then rise again. And we see um, another example, the the greatest example of God's promises um, for somebody's will in his life, and humanly speaking, we're um, talking about our Lord Jesus, how the Lord preserves. And I think about just the promises, and um, uh, I have a. Let's see if I still have it here. Yeah, here it is. I have a, a little card where I've written. Well, there's a lot more, but. I've written promises that God has made as far as what His will is for my life. And this is just as I'm walking with the Lord and as I'm doing devotions or doing something else and meditating on God's Word and it just gives me a promise and I have to decide if I'm going to believe in it or not and and it all has to do with His will for my life. And I look at those promises and I see, wow, many of these might take a while. God can do the impossible and He could... He can fulfill them right away and then the rapture comes and and that'd be much better, you know. (laughs) But it seems like many of these promises are going to take a while. And so I just have to trust in the Lord to preserve me. Just like he did with Abraham. Just like he did with, with our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And... Yeah, you, you try to take care of yourself with what you eat and do exercise and, you know, but in the end, you know, it's, it's God that's, that you have to trust in to, to preserve you and to keep you so that He could fulfill His promises in, in your life. And, um, just thinking about some of these promises and, um, you know, as, as you're, you're believing these promises, you know, He's, He's conforming more, He's conforming you more to His image. So you're, you're walking more like Christ. You're talking more like Christ. We always struggle with the 
the old nature, right? But as we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds and we're giving our bodies as a living sacrifice, he's conforming us to his image. And so as we're believing his promises and his will through his word, we're, we're behaving more like Christ in a general sense. And in, in some cases, where some of these promises, it seems like the more God is is allowing me to behave more like Christ, the more inaccessible that promise becomes. Which doesn't make sense. But many things don't make sense in the Christian life, right? I mean, many things, when you're in God's will, that's you read the book of Psalms, David is confused. In the books, the books of the prophets, they're many times confused, you know. So I have to decide, am I going to submit and believe God's promises and be more and more conformed to Christ's image? Or am I going to try to, am I going to try to fulfill God's will in my own strength, in my own resources? Well, if we ask Abraham how that, how that's going to go, you know how, you know what he's going to say, right? We're going to fall flat on our face and there's going to be consequences, right? As he tried to, tried to, to, um, have a child, you know, with, um, he, he had, they had a child with Hagar and we see the consequences even to this day. We need to believe his promises for his will in our lives. He separates us and he's going to preserve us so that ultimately we will step into these promises. And then thirdly, we see not only a separation, not only a preservation, but also a blessing. Verse 12. Uh, Caleb knows. And man, I, I wish, I wish I was there with him. Well, we, we are, you know, there with him as we read, but I wish I was literally there with him and just be excited with him and like, yeah, you're gonna go in, you're gonna possess the promise that God had made uh, to you for so long. He, he must have been so excited. Once again, he knew it was as good as done from the moment that God had told him. He didn't know he had to wait all that time, but he knew that it was as good as done. In verse 12, it says, Now therefore give me this mountain. Boldly, he just goes and he asks for it. Because he knew it was God's will. And when you know it's God's will, right? Um, Hebrews 4, 16, we can go boldly into the throne of God. Not on our merits, but on the merits of what Christ has done. His shed blood. On the merits of Christ. Is that we have all these promises, that we have salvation, and that these promises are as good as done, so we can boldly go in and ask. First John 5.14, everything we ask in His will, He will fulfill it. And so He comes and He asks, Whereof the Lord, verse 12, spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims, the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. Once again, Joshua being the leader, being used of God. It's basically God blessing Caleb through Joshua. And gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. He actually went in and he defeated the Anakims, who, humanly speaking, were much more powerful. And whenever, and this is as a side note, whenever it's, it, it, it has to do with God's will for your life, it's going to require more strength, more resources than you have. 
Everything has to come from God completely or it's not going to get done. But that's the fun part. Just waiting to see how God does it. It's amazing. And so he goes in and humanly speaking, he's a lot weaker than the Anakims, but he knows that God is with him and the infinite God, all-powerful God is with him. So he's not weaker because he's in God's will and and God's God's promises are being fulfilled in his life. And so it says Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He believed in his heart. He believed the promises. And the name of Hebron before was Kiriath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from war. Of course, the blessing is God doesn't want us to be selfish, and it's um, it could be that God promises something physical or something material. But it's not in any way selfish. And really, the, the, the funnest part is, as I said, seeing how God brings it all to be and seeing his hand, his, his mysterious and, and, and um, powerful hand in action and bringing things to pass. And there's just, to be able to be a part of that and observe that, there's just, there's just no price to it. But God wants to bless us, not so that we would be comfortable and, and, and selfish, but that so that we could be a blessing, so that we could be a funnel of blessing to the world. And we look at um, Caleb, and that inheritance wasn't just for him. You see that part of the inheritance was given to Othniel, who, who became his son-in-law and and um, was one of the judges, one one of the mighty judges that God used. And then, if you if we go to ver, uh, chapter twenty one, verse twelve, we see something really neat. Verse eleven and twelve it says, "And they gave them the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron, which was uh, uh, the original inheritance of Caleb, in the hill country of Judah, with the suburbs thereof." Round about it. It's talking about the inheritance of the Levites who, as you know, were scattered around Israel because they were the ones who helped the priests in the tabernacle and everything that had to do with the tabernacle, which of course is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry. Verse 12 says, But the fields of the city and the villages thereof gave they to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for his possession. So it's talking about how Caleb inherited this but he used it not only to give part of it to one of the future judges of Israel, but also a great part of this to the Levites who were used as they ministered in the tabernacle. So the inheritance that that Caleb received from believing God's promises, ultimately Caleb became a funnel of blessing for the people of God. And that's what God wants to do with us. And that's why I'm very thankful for this church. It has, has been a funnel of blessing to many people, including myself and my family. And lest we forget, the greatest funnel of blessing of somebody who believed God the Father's promise is our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see how he believed all the promises, humanly speaking, that God had made for him in, in, the, in the Old Testament. And everything was fulfilled to a T, so that he would die and he would raise again 
And he's a, he is the funnel of blessing for the entire world. And so, um, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that great example. And as we're, and as we're conformed to his image in our life, we're believing his promises. God makes a separation. God preserves us so that we can continue and that promise will be fulfilled. And he blesses us so that we also, like Christ, right? Christians, little Christ, little Christs, right? We're reflecting his light, right? And so we can be a funnel of blessing also to others and be used to reach others, to disciple others, to encourage others, to be a blessing to others. And if, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't uh, believed in Christ as your Savior, let me just urge you to open your heart before it's too late and be born again. Um, I'm so thankful for his salvation. I'm so thankful for this church. And um, I just look forward to the fellowship that we can have for the rest of the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for Christ, his ministry, interceding for us at your right hand as we speak, waiting that at any moment he comes for us. Thankful for that eternal inheritance. But we're thankful for that earthly inheritance too. And I pray that we could believe your word to step into those promises, be a funnel of blessing to this lost and dying and dark world. Thank you for everything, Lord. All of these things we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Broner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.